we can all stand and get ready to, uh, and just step into the presence of, of God tonight. And guys, this is another night. There's, there's going to be, we, we don't have anybody controlling the lyrics, so we're going to be singing and just worship. And I just ask you guys to just connect with the Lord as we're worshiping just where he wants to take you and how he wants to use you. Uh, talk, to the, talk to the Lord in this time of our worship and just, and just talk to him. Get intimate with him. Get close to him. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, I thank you, Father. Uh, I thank you for this time together, Lord. I thank you for allowing us all to gather to, together, Father. Father, right now I ask that you allow our spirits to uh, decrease and your spirit to increase, Lord, so that we can gain what you have for us tonight, Father. Father, I ask that you allow us to uh, empty ourselves so that we can receive what you have for us tonight, Lord. Lord, we are nothing without you, Lord. We are nothing without you. So, Father, change us in this worship session, Lord, as we get ready to step in. Step into a place where you call, where you call your, your loved ones to, Father. Step into a place where you want us to be, Father. Step into a place where we get to see you and seek you, Lord, and ask you questions and just be in this intimate time, Father. Allow us to use this time to gain and get closer with you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We want to worship you, we want to worship you, Father, Jesus, King Jesus, we want more of you, Lord, we want more of you, Lord, the chosen one, the risen King, yes, he wins every battle, he healed the sick, rose from the dead, showing all those who doubted. This pain runs deep, the one I see. He will move every mountain. There's no fear in me, he's healing me, preparing me, because he knows that the enemy will try to win every battle.
Chosen one, the risen king. Yes, he wins every battle. He healed the sick, was from the dead. Showing all those who doubted. This pain runs deep, the one I see. He will move every mountain. There's no fear in me. He's holding me, preparing me. Because he knows that the enemy will try.
This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my. This is my daily. My daily bread, all I want, your holy word spoken to me. All I want, your Stop here tonight. Let's keep pressing in. We're not here for traditions. We're here for a touch, God.
maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you, cause you're a way maker. Never stop. Never stop you never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see you working. Even when I don't feel it working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see you working. Even when I don't feel it working. You never stop. Stop working Even when I don't Even when I don't Even when I don't Even when I don't go through the doors you open Even when I don't walk the road you spoke, Lord Even when I turn away You are with me You are with me Even when I don't feel it Even when feel like right now, how's everybody feeling tonight? Everybody feeling like they're pressing into the Lord right now? I feel like we might be at like 60%. I feel like there's a little bit more of the Lord, a little bit more we could be tapping into. I think we're like ankle deep right now. I think we just got to get a little more real with ourselves. Oh, we call out to you, Lord. We call out to you, Lord. Well 
I don't know about you guys out there, but 
I've seen the Lord move some mountains in my life. I can't tell you that there was times that I just thought I wasn't going to make it. There was times where I thought that I was going to lose my house. There were times where I walked outside and I thought somebody stole my car. But then I remembered I didn't pay my car payment for about three months. And my car was gone. And I was like, wow. You know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to pastor a church? And I'm trying to believe and I'm trying to stay strong. Now I don't even have a car. But he does like he always does. He makes a way when there seems like no way. Amen. You know, you, you got to just hold on to all those times. And that's the reason why we sing that song. Like, I, I see that you move the mountains and I know that you can do it again. Every time that God moves in your life, every time that God does something, there should be a catalog back in your memory that builds your faith like a muscle. And, and then the next time something happens and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know if I, you know what? I'm going to stop all that. I'm going to stop freaking out. I'm going to stop calling everybody. I'm going to stop crying about it because I know that my God has moved mountains for me and I know that he's going to do it again. Amen. 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 You guys may be seated. Amen. We're going to go ahead and we're going to take tonight's offering. It's a passage of scripture, Luke 16. Ushers, if you want to make your way forward. Luke 16 verse 9 it says I say to you make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail you may receive you they may receive you into an everlasting home for who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much and he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much therefore if you've been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to you your trust, the true riches. And if you've not been faithful with another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so that word mammon was, of course, it's like an old word for money. And, and when I read that scripture, I read it and it says, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon so that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. I didn't really understand what that meant. I always said, well, I guess it's telling me that, you know, to get some money and buy friends, right? So if I have a friend like, hey, you know, I'll buy you a ticket to go to the Steeler game or I'll take you out to dinner, right? That, that to use money to build relationships and it's not a bad way to use money. I know that you can use money in a lot of other worse ways, waste money away. But if you read it, it says that make friends for yourselves with unrighteous mammon because then when you fail, they may receive you in an everlasting home. So it, it's not about 
using the money to make friends so that if I have a bad time, I'll have people that'll help me out. It says, when you fail, they'll receive you in an everlasting home. In other words, when this tent, this body fails, because I was faithful with my giving, my giving contributed to getting people into heaven. Think about getting into heaven and you're getting there and when you get there, there's a whole welcome party that's there. The saints that went on to be with the Lord and you're going up and you walk into glory and you walk into heaven and then there's all these people that are there. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being faithful. We're going to receive you into an everlasting home. You know, don't think that any time that somebody comes to one of our programs, accepts the Lord, that somebody accepts the Lord in service, if you give to that, that's credit on your account. It's not just, okay, yeah, the pastor did a good altar call, so he gets credit. No, you guys, the givers, this is our church. This is God's church. We give to this work. And we're all a part of all the stuff that happens here. So uh, just ask the Lord what he would have you give and just be faithful to that. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this night. I thank you for this season that we're in. Lord, I thank you for the generosity. Lord, and I thank you for the like-minded people that, that see themselves that they're blessed to be a blessing that they see the wealth that you allow them have to be something to to you be used to build your kingdom and not to just build our own kingdom lord i pray that you would bless the hands that give according to your word that you would multiply every seed that's sown we praise you we honor you in jesus name amen amen If we could just, uh, you know, Evan made a statement that he felt like we were about like 60%. So I just want to, if we could just take about five minutes. If we could just take five minutes before we get into tonight's message. And just enter in. Let's just enter into worship. Let's just, let's just enter into his presence. You know, there was a, there, there's a, a worship leader, and, and he was a worship leader for Jack Hayford, who recently went to be with the Lord. But he was his worship leader, and he said, Jack Hayford taught me just to enter in. So you can, you can train yourself to just enter into his presence. One minute, I'm, I'm just sitting here, and I'm in church. The next minute, I'm entering into his presence. Sometimes you might have to close your eyes. Sometimes you might have to get on your knees. Whatever it is, whatever posture, sometimes you can put your hands out. I'm just receiving from the Lord. But I just encourage you, if, if you guys just want to go a, just for a few minutes, and I just encourage you that right now, right here, just, just enter into his presence. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. He is our king. He is our savior. He is our healer. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's our deliverer. And one day soon, he will come back. So if we could just stand on our to our feet.
and let's just push beyond the veil. Let's, let's just push in the throne room. Maybe even just close your eyes and just imagine. Like that song says that I can only imagine. What will I do in your presence? Just imagine that you've entered in. And you've entered in and, and, and there's the king on the throne. And the, the glory of God is, is radiating. And the angel choirs are, are circling around. And you're just there right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of this world. Worthy are you, Lamb. Worthy are you, God. Worthy are you, Jesus. The name that is above every name. The only name under heaven whereby men can be saved. There will be a day coming where every tongue will confess and every knee will will bow. Thank you, Lord. You are the God of this city. You are the Lord of these people. You are the king of this nation. You are our king. We're not given any ground to the wicked one. We do not allow the devil to have any ground in our church, in our families, in our finances, in our bodies. We declare that this is holy ground. Holy. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, can we just raise our voice? Just thank him. Holy. Holy. We worship you. We worship you. We praise you. We praise you. We worship you. Sing a new song.
Lord, we just thank you for your presence. Thank you that there's a spirit here to heal the broken hearts, to set the captives free. Lord, I thank you that you give us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lord, I thank you that heaviness is lifting. Thank you that in your presence, there's a fullness of joy. Yes, yes, yes. So I thank you, Lord, that joy is being restored. I thank you that hope is building. I thank you that faith is rising. Lord, we just, we commend this service to your hands. Lord, we pray for all of the children here. Lord, I just pray a blessing over all of them, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for them. I thank you for their lives, Lord. I pray that you would just continue to bring families and children, Lord, and that they would just continue to multiply, Lord. Lord, I pray that I pray for the teachers, Lord, that the love of Christ would shine through them. And I thank you, Lord, that within these kids that we see running around the church is that next generation of apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and, and pastors and, and that this generation, that, that we're going to be able to hand the baton off to them and they're going to be able to build off of a mountain where some of us had to dig up from a hole. They're going to be able to stand on a mountain and go even higher and farther than we've ever gone. Lord, we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The kids can head back. Miss Taylor is back by the door. And she will lead the way. She will lead the way back. You just go straight back the middle or on the sides right into the lobby. If you guys are in a posture of praise, you don't have to... You don't have to move. You can stay right where you're at. Being in the presence of the Lord is something that we value, and we don't want to rush that. So feel free to stay right where you're at until you feel like the Lord is done. If you have your Bibles with you, let's open them up to John chapter 1. I want to talk to you tonight about the recipe for a changed life. The recipe for a changed life. We've been in this series called That Church. Where do you go to church? I go to that church. Where do you go? Oh, you go to that church. So, kind of become a thing and we're just talking about what is what is the DNA of this church? What are we all about? We have a mission statement, and it says that the mission of New Hope Church is to build community by reaching the lost, healing the broken, and equipping his people to live out the calling of God for their lives, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And I'm telling you, I'm serious about uh, taking, uh, taking background from the enemy. I don't want to give him anything. 
this is a, there is truly a spiritual war. And for far too long, the church has just kind of sat in and, and shut the doors and just was like, okay, well, we'll just, we're not going to worry about it because the worst things get, then, you know, Jesus is going to save us out of them. But, but Jesus said, occupy until I come. And I remember just, you know, having this, you know, being here at church and, and across the street, and it's partially done. Ultimately, we want to, our parking lot is going to expand the whole way over, but, but there was just a couple vacant lots there, and there was an older house, and for a while it was occupied, and, but it was empty, it was just kind of weird, and I was just sitting there, and I, I read in the Bible where it says, you know, God told Joshua, everywhere where your foot will tread, I'll give it to you. I said, all right, look, I'm, I'm believing that. You know, did you, ever, did you ever read a passage and you know, like, okay, like God was spoke, speaking to Joshua or he's speaking to Moses and you read it and you're like, nah, that's, that's speaking to me right now. I, or maybe I'm just the only weirdo that thinks like that. But anyway, I'm like, that, that's speaking to me. I'm going to go out and I'm, I'm going to march around that lot. I'm going to march around that house. And I'm going to claim it. I'm going to claim it. I don't know what we're going to do with that house, but I'm going to walk around and I'm going to claim it. So I went out, marched around the house, claimed this property in Jesus' name. Everywhere my soul will tread, mine for the kingdom. And I did that, uh, I don't know, I think five, six years ago. And I was like, all right, I claimed it. I started making phone calls, trying to find out who the owner was in the house. I couldn't get anybody to answer the phone. I couldn't get anybody to respond to me. I sent letters. Nobody responded. I was trying to figure out how to buy the other property out of repository. Dude told me he wasn't interested in selling. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know, maybe I missed it. But how many know when God gives you a promise, he gives you a promise? Amen. You know, and then it was last year, it was, you know, sometimes it's just, it's, it's not that God always fulfills his promises. We just get messed up on the timing. And then it was just last year that, you know, basically, um, not only did that lot get given to us, but the house uh, what was given to us as well. The you know, Bible says it'll give you houses he didn't build. So we ended up taking that land, that property, that house that was, you know, that was just kind of like a, a flop house, and we ended up taking it back for the kingdom. And I believe that God wants to do more of that in the future. I believe that the only thing that's holding us back is our faith. I believe that God wants to give us businesses, I believe that there's people in there, in here, that literally there's going to be people that are retiring from businesses that are already established, that already, uh, that, that already have cash flow flowing in, and they're just going to say, you know what, I just, I want you to take over this business. I feel like I'm, like, speaking prophetically to people uh, today. There's going to be storefronts that are going to open up. There's going to be property and there's going to be businesses and, and even homes, people that don't have homes, that people are literally just going to give you keys to a house. They're just going to turn the keys over to, to a house. I can really see that happening, but will your faith allow you to believe that? 
So somebody I know, hopefully somebody's getting happy today. Other ones are like, I don't know. Nobody's going to give you a house. Listen, I never thought people would give us a house. Nancy's waving. She's, she's receiving it. She'll take the house and the business. Amen. We're going to build a youth center. We're going to have more recovery homes. We're going to have other maternity homes. I mean, we're just going to continue to take back the land. That's all there is to it. Until Jesus comes back, we're just going to keep taking back the land. And you don't need money to do it. You need faith in the Lord. Faith in the Lord, believing in God. You believe in God. He supplies the provision for the vision. The Bible says that he will supply all of your needs through his riches and glory. He'll provide for all of your needs. Some of us just need to get bigger needs. Some of us need to look at the needs out in our community and say, you know what? There's a problem with, with human trafficking and these people that are being rescued out of this need a place to heal. Lord, that's what I need. And the Bible says that God will provide all your needs. Some of us, we just think too small. We just think of what we need and we think of what our family needs. I need a new car. I need to pay my rent. I need to do this. Okay, well, God can provide for those needs. But when you get a bigger need, say, Lord, these kids in this, in this neighborhood, they need a place to go. They need a place where, where, where they can be poured into that's safe, that's off the streets. We need a place like that. Now you've got a bigger need. And God will supply every need that he's given you. You at John chapter 1, or we forgot about that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 1. Just reading one verse of scripture, verse 17. I'll be reading from the New King James. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Lord, add a blessing to your word. Anoint me to preach your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just lead and guide us into all truth tonight. That we would be built up and edified and the name of Jesus would be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen. Since I pastored this church, I've witnessed many miracles. Many. And you know, when I say the word miracle, you guys probably think of, you know, very supernatural things, right? People getting out of wheelchairs, uh, people having their, their limbs growing, right? Angels appearing, you know, things like that. And I will tell you that I believe in all of that. And I've seen things that I promise will blow your mind. I've seen things that when I tell people by the looks on their face, I know that they don't believe me. But a lot of this stuff, a lot of you guys here have seen stuff with me. You've been here. There's been a, a, a lot of people here. I mean, we've seen people get out of wheelchairs. We've seen, you know, uh, you know pretty crazy demonic manifestations happen. I mean, we had a a witch run into our youth group. I've seen 
voices speaking through this little woman that was like a, a man's voice. Um, I mean, I've seen people's legs grow like two inches. I've seen all kind of uh, crazy stuff. But, but, but one of the, the things that we don't really consider as, as being a miracle is that a life that has been changed through relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I wanted a, a simple tagline that I could put around our church when we said New Hope Church. Like just a simple couple words that would describe what this church was about. And then one day it was just, you know what? New Hope Community Church. Lives are changed here. Lives are changed here. Because, um, you know, make no mistake about it, a changed life is a miracle. How does somebody go from being totally different, like 180 degrees different than what they once were? How do you get this miraculous life change of, say, a Saul to a Paul, of somebody who was killing Christians, thought that he was doing God's work? I mean, we see the videos of, like, ISIS, you know, uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan kind of attacking and, and massacring Christians, but we don't think that the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was actually a person who went after Christians, imprisoned Christians, sat by while Christians were actually getting killed. But then one day on that Damascus road, he meets Jesus, and all of a sudden, he goes from somebody who was killing Christians to somebody who would actually die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does those lives change? I mean, I, I, some, just a few stories, and, and, and I'll, I didn't really put any names in here because, um, you know, it's personal stuff. But, you know, I know somebody personally was on crack, homeless, for like 35 years. And now he works a job, he has his own place, he has a, a brand new car, and he's serving the Lord. I, I know a, a person that was so addicted, addicted to opiates, had, a, ha, had an injury and, and kind of went on Social Security and got this big, social security settlement and spent all the money on drugs and lost his entire house and came through our men's recovery home and 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 grabbed hold of the things of God and step by step built his life back and got back everything that the devil stole from him got his own place brought his family back got married amen serving the Lord I, I've seen marriages that no one would give a chance to. Sometimes even me. I'm like, all right, like, I don't know. You know, and I mean, infidelity, drug use. I, I mean, just a mess. Abuse, just, just, just a mess. And somehow both people surrender their their lives to God and, and God restores their marriage and restores their family and, and, and restores their home. And, and these are just only a few examples of things that I've witnessed God would do since I came to Christ in 2006. I've never seen people really, their, their lives change 180 degrees, totally different. I'm a totally different person up here than I was before I came to Christ. 
when it talks about that we've died with Christ, that we've that, that the old man has been crucified with Christ. The old person I was, he died in 2006. When I said yes to Jesus, when I got born again, that old man died. And I was raised new to resurrection life. I could, I could fill the next month of services if I just said, hey, Will you share your testimony? Will you share what God did in your life? Will you share what God did in your life? Will you share what God did in your life? Will you share what God did in your life? I could fill, I, I could fill, uh, I don't even know how many services with all the miracles that God has done right around me. The, the lives that he's changed, it's just simply been amazing. And change doesn't always come easy. And change doesn't always come quick. But I can tell you that there's three main ingredients that need to be present for someone's life to truly change. Now it's very important that all three are present because when all three are present, they can produce life change. But, but if you have just one, it doesn't necessarily contribute to life change. It's like, it's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich, one of probably the greatest creations the sandwich world has ever had. I mean, it's just always good. You know, you don't have any food. You know what? I got peanut butter. I got jelly. I got bread. I'm good. Peanut butter and jelly. You got three ingredients. You got bread. You got peanut butter. You got jelly. But if you just have peanut butter by itself, right, you better have some water by you be like it's too dry it's too dry like you know it's like trying to swallow concrete or something so you have peanut butter by you can have try to have jelly by by yourself what are you going to do just open a jar of jelly and just get a spoon and like eat jelly out of it it's too sweet it's just too soft it just doesn't work by itself and then just to eat you know just sit there and eat a piece of bread you know, it's, it's, just, it's just too plain, too boring. But you put it all together, right, and you got magic. You got the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You got those ingredients. And, and life change, meaningful life change, has three main ingredients. So I want to talk about the first ingredient that you need, and that ingredient is grace. That ingredient is grace. You've got to have grace. First of all, what is grace? Simply defined, and it can go deeper than this, but, but simply defined, grace is unmerited favor. It's not something that you earn. It's something that you are given. Grace is always given. Grace is never earned. You don't earn grace. So grace is something that God gives us. He gives us grace. You can give somebody else grace, but you don't earn grace, you're given grace. And the reason that we need grace is because the Bible is clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There was, a, uh, there was uh, one guy who used to come here and his Facebook post, he didn't have a picture of himself. It just, says, it just said, you know, don't judge me because I sin differently than you do, right? 
We all come to God needing a measure of grace. We all have failures in our life. We all have areas that we need to do better. And God is holy, right? He's holy. He's, he's perfect. So we all need grace because with grace, there's no way that we would be able to approach God. But if, if that's all you have is grace, the Bible calls it license. It calls it a license to sin. So what happens is if you have somebody and, and they make a mistake and, and, and that's all, the only ingredient you have is grace, basically they just keep doing the same thing again and again and you just have to keep giving them more grace. And so, like, you're basically, you're giving them grace, but you're giving them grace, and they're continuing on a path of destruction. And you're like, oh, that's okay, you know, you can do it. You know, I still love you. I still love you. And then they go do it again. And, well, okay, I still love you. And they just keep going. And, and license to sin, it's, that, that's, that's not good. So you can't just have grace. It, that one ingredient by itself, why it's necessary because people have to feel accepted. If people feel rejected, if they, they won't even walk in the door. And a lot of people won't come into churches because they feel that the second they get in there, they're automatically going to be judged because of the lifestyle they're living. But grace sees you how you truly are. Grace says, you know what, I know exactly what you're going through I know what you've done and I accept you for who you are and I love you anyways there's a pastor uh, that that I know and he would always say you know we love you and there's nothing you can do about it that's grace right that's grace but but you can't just have grace grace can also become enablement I enable you to continue to do the wrong thing again and again and again, right? And I do it under the guise of grace. And Christians will fall into this trap sometimes. We can even fall into it with our kids sometimes where we just continue to love them and just continue to give them grace. And all it does is we, we basically love them while they destroy themselves. So grace is necessary. You have to have grace and I thank God that we have because once I have grace in my life then not only is the grace to accept me how I am then I know that there's a grace that can help me overcome my sin as well so you need to have grace but the other ingredient that you need is truth you've got to have truth as well it says that the law came through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus. So Jesus comes with grace and truth. And truth, we, you have to have truth. Truth is what is right and wrong. We live in a society, we live in a culture where you're not allowed to say what is right and what is wrong. They'll say to you, well, that's your truth. That's your truth. That might not be my truth. That, that's not my truth. That's your truth. But truth is truth, right? You have to have a truth, right? Two plus two equals four. Doesn't equal four and a half. It doesn't equal three. It doesn't equal five. Two plus two is four. That's truth. God's word is truth. 
God's word is truth. God's word lays truth out. How we are to approach God. How we are to have a marriage. How we are to raise our kids. How we are to live with one another. We have to have truth because truth gives us direction. It gives us a path. It gives us boundaries for our life. It, it helps us to kind of be on a foundation, a plumb line. It, it, we have to have truth in our life. Because if you don't have truth in your life, you just have chaos. Just totally chaotic life. Just bouncing here, there, and everywhere. And it doesn't matter. You know, there's no wrong or right. So I, I just do whatever. Just whatever you feel like. But if you have truth by itself without grace, then basically it becomes legalism. It becomes legalism and it just becomes condemnation. And then basically you get into these churches where like God is just mad at you all the time. And you know, and, and you, have to, you have to follow these rules and if you don't follow these rules, then you're out and basically truth is just like, Okay, like, hey, if you can't follow these guidelines, you just need to get wiped out. That's truth, right? Truth is the law, right? Moses came through the law, but Jesus came full of grace and truth. The law by itself brings death because it's not that the law is unholy, but the law shows you what a holy God is. When you see the Ten Commandments, you're like, okay. Broke that one, 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 right? And so you got a problem because you broke God's laws. And there's part of us that we're going to continue growing, but you never really arrive at a place of sinless perfection. Bible's pretty clear. It says that if you say that you have no sin, that you're a liar. And the truth is not in you. So you have to face the fact that you're going to need God's grace, but you, got, you have to have truth. And most people will gravitate towards one or the other. Most people are either, you know, if, if there's a parallel, most people, they'll, they'll either stay by the side of grace and it's just anything goes. There's no right or wrong. We're just going to love everybody. And it doesn't really matter how you live or what you do or anything like that. Then there's other people that it's black and white. This is the way it is. If you don't like it, then you're going to hell. Right? It, grace or truth. But there needs to be a middle ground because Jesus comes with both grace and truth. The grace and truth will reverse the effects of the fall. Jesus was the perfect mix of grace and truth. And so I'd like for us to look at an example with some of the time that we have left from John chapter 8. So if you want to just make a right from where you're at and go about seven chapters to John chapter 8, we're going to begin in the first verse there. And I want you guys to see what grace and truth looks like. If you're there, say amen. amen. I'm going to grab some water. 
The Word of God says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Verse 2, now early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, I have questions about this passage. And I don't know if, if you do too, but I don't know. Like, I have a tendency to read into things. And when I read, I kind of, I think in pictures. It's just, I'm just a visual thinker and so Jesus gets up and and it's early in the morning and it says that they caught this woman in the act of adultery I mean in the act so I mean like what happened like did a bunch of like Pharisees like kind of look in the window like almost like a SWAT operation and they're like boom breaking in the door and then like you know, they're right in the middle of the act and they snatch the lady off and drag her out of the house. I mean, it says she was caught in the act of adultery. Does it not say that? You guys are getting quiet. You're like, oh, I don't know. I, I can't be thinking about that in church. It's all right, we're reading the Bible. They caught her in the middle of the act of adultery they dragged her out I mean we don't even know if she was clothed or anything they just dragged this lady out and where's the dude where's the dude like he just off the hook like why the dude's just not even involved so I don't know I have questions when I get to heaven I'm gonna ask Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. We caught her. Verse 5, now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. And it's not the type of stone that you guys are thinking of right now. You guys are uptight tonight. I'm trying. <laughs> Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. I mean, this was brutal. This was a brutal way to kill somebody. I mean, I, I don't know that there's like a fun way to kill somebody, but could you imagine like sitting there and like people just chucking rocks at you? Just in the head, in the body, just throwing rocks at you. They said that like some people, there were some people that talked about it in the Old Testament, like literally you wouldn't see them anymore. There was like just a pile of rocks that would like be surrounding them. Like people just throwing rocks at them. And, and this woman, she's dragged out, halfway clothed, maybe not even clothed at all. Dragging her out. She should be stoned. That's what it says in the law. That's truth without grace. She should be stoned. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. 
But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though they did not hear. Why does it say that they were testing him? Basically, they were trying to set him up in a trap. Because they were under Roman occupation, they weren't allowed to enforce the death penalty on people. So if he said that she should be killed, then basically he was going against Roman law, which would make him a criminal. But if he said not to kill her, then he was going against the law of Moses and they could say that he was a false teacher. So this was a trap that they put him in. And so they dragged this woman. It's early in the morning. She may be thinking that she's about to die. Got caught up in an affair. And he begins writing on the ground with his finger. Never really says what he was writing. And a lot of people have speculated. And I'll throw my hat in the ring. I believe that what he was writing at that point was the Ten Commandments. And the reason that I believe that is it says that the Ten Commandments, that they were literally written by the hand of God. And the Ten Commandments is, is God's law. And now you have God in the flesh in the form of Jesus. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So now he's writing just like when the hand of God went down and wrote in the Ten Commandments. So he's writing the, the Ten Commandments now. And he acted like he didn't even hear them. So when they continued asking him, this is verse 7, he raised himself up and he said to him, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And when Jesus was left alone, the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit murder, All those commandments are, are written down. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And all of a sudden, the conviction falls on them that yes, this woman committed a sin. They also committed sin. And they weren't there to judge them. There was only one that was worthy to judge. And his name was Jesus, the one that was without sin. But Jesus extends grace to her. He never said, you know, well, you know, she's really not an adulterer. I mean, it, that was clear. She committed adultery. 
yes, the dude got off the hook somehow. We, we'll catch up with the dude one day, but he got off the hook, but she committed adultery, and he never said that you're not an adulterer. He, he saw her for who she truly was. That was what her true self, she was a woman who committed adultery, but at the same time, he gave her grace. I don't condemn you. But at the same time, he gave her truth. And he said, go and sin no more. Don't go back into the same habits and patterns that have got you into this spot. You almost got killed. If you keep going down this path, you might get killed the next time. He gave her grace and he gave her truth. And if we're going to be a church that helps in Jesus' mission to change people's lives, then we have to be consistent in having grace and truth. And to have grace, we need to meet people where they're at, right where they're at. The Apostle Paul said, I've become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You got to meet people where they're at. People out there are lost, they're hurting. They're making bad decisions. It's a product of a fallen world. And you gotta, you gotta be real. They've gotta be real. But we've gotta be real with one another as well. You can't come in here with some religious mask and act like all the time that everything's okay and you never have any problems. If you got something that, you, that, that needs healed, you got to be truthful about it. you got to be realistic about your real self. And we've got to be the type of place that extends grace to people that somebody can say, you know what, I'm really struggling tonight. I'm kind of embarrassed to share this with you, but this is where I'm at. I need help. we got to be able to meet people where they're at. we got to be able to have grace for the people who are lost and the people that are broken, but we also need to have the courage to speak the truth in love. But you don't earn the right to speak truth to people until you love them first. When they know that you care about them, when you accept them for who they are and where they're at, and you understand and you value them and you care about them, then the next thing you need to do is you need to be able to speak truth. Like, if I know that you love me, you're going to be able to say some things to me that somebody who I know doesn't care about me can say. Like, if I know that you care about me, if I know that you genuinely want the best for me, you can speak some hard things in my life, and I'll be able to receive it. But if I think you're just judging me, and you don't care about me, and you just want to speak down to me, I'm not going to be able to receive that. See, that's why you need grace and truth. And the truth is in God's word. This isn't my opinion. When I, when, that's why it's so important that you know the word. When you begin to share this with people and say, look, this is what, this is what the word says. This is, what, this is what the word of God says. And you can get mad at it, but you're not getting mad at me. You're getting mad at what God said. You don't want to fight that battle, Right? So we need to be able to speak the truth because the truth will give us directions. And love is not just letting people do whatever they want to do. 
Sometimes love means that we're going to have a conversation and we're going to talk about this because I love you too much to allow you to continue to live in this way. And we're going to have some truth here. I'm not going to sit back and just watch you destroy your life and keep making the same dumb mistakes again and again and again. I need to share some truth with you so you can get some direction, so you can repent, so you can change your mind, and so you can get on a different path that God has for you. And the final ingredient, remember I said that there was three. The final ingredient is time. Change takes time. Takes time. This is where grace comes in. This is where the fruit of the Spirit, like patience, long-suffering. Did you ever read that? It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, long-suffering. Because some people, it's going to be, you're going to have to suffer long to see them change. And you're going to love them and you're going to pour into them and you're going to speak truth to them. And you're going to pray for them. And, it, and you're not going to see them change just like this. And sometimes baby steps are enough. And if they're moving in the right direction, they're moving. It might be slow, but they're moving in the right direction. And listen, if you take a few steps every day, you'll get to where God called you to be. There's a passage that we read and we talked about in our Bible study on Wednesday. And it was this kind of, uh, it could be almost a parallel passage where Jesus is criticized for spending time with sinners and, and undesirable people. And Jesus, I love his, I love what he says to them. He says that it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And that speaks to that the church is, is, is supposed to be like a hospital for the sinners. It's not meant to be a museum for the saints. It's not meant to be just a museum of things, that, the traditions that used to be and the things that go. It's meant to be a hospital where we take the love of Jesus and we touch the real world and, and people living real lives and we see real life change. Jesus said it's not the healthy who needs a doctor, it's the sick. In other words, he knew how messed up these people were. He, didn't, he knew the people that he was sitting with were, were sinners and undesirable people. But if, he didn't, but if it wasn't for him in their life, it was, if it wasn't for the light of the world that was sitting there, they would remain in darkness. And he tells the religious people, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. We tease this out at our Bible study and simply what it means. It's not religious acts alone that God wants. He wants a heart that breaks for the things that his heart breaks for. He wants mercy. He doesn't just want somebody to come to church and, and have a fish bumper sticker and, 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 and you know, and, and post scriptures on Facebook. He wants you to be on the mission with him to seek and save what is lost. He says, I, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. 
And my desire is that this place will be that hospital for those people who have gotten beat up and put in bondage in life by a fallen world. If we're going to be that church, then we're going to have to learn to give people grace, have the courage to speak truth, and then give them time to change. But if you take these ingredients and you mix it in, what will happen is that we will see more and more people walk right out of that darkness and into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. We'll, we'll, we'll watch people walk out of prison cells right into freedom. We'll watch people walk out of a life of defeat and walk into a life of victory. We'll watch people that will walk out of uh, darkness and into life and life more abundantly. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church that I want to be about. And I hope you want to be about it too. Worship team, if you want to make your way forward. What I want to do today is before we close, first of all, I, I want to I open the altar and give you a chance to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior if you've never done that before. But I also want a couple of our uh, leaders to come forward and just kind of, they're going to be available to, to pray with you. Um, I'll have uh, Kim and Tony come up and Darlene and Steve. And if you got anything that you're dealing with, these guys will pray with you. They'll come into agreement. There's power of agreement. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes situations. If you're anxious about something, if you're sitting here and you're carrying anxiety about a situation, the Bible says don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. So take that anxiousness and come up here and, and get some prayer before you leave. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you've never done that, I don't want to take it for granted that everybody here tonight is saved, although generally on Friday night, this is the dedicated crowd. But if you're here and you've never said, I want to take that step. I want to ask Jesus to, to come into my heart. I want to repent of my sins. I want to start a new life. You can do that here and now. If you're here tonight, and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, and you never have before, you've never taken that step before, all you got to do is just stick up a hand tonight, just say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life tonight. Anybody here? Anybody here? If you guys just want to rise to your feet for a second. So guess where that puts us all? Puts us all on the mission team. Puts us all on the mission team. That means that all of us here are nurses, we're doctors, we're working at the door, we got the security for the hospital. Everything that you have in a hospital, we have it here. A hospital for the marginalized, a hospital for the broken, a hospital for the addicted, a hospital for the rejected, 
place that loves the unlovable. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. That's what changes. That's what changes a community. I know that we can go out and we can have signs and we can go out and vote and we can put signs in our yard and we can put bumper stickers up and we can try to get this politician in office, we get that politician in office, we can go for this or that. Guess what? It's all sifting sand. It's all sifting sand. There's only one way this ship gets right and that's when Jesus becomes Lord. That's when Jesus becomes Lord of our community. That's when the people that are in office, that Jesus is their Lord, that they don't run for special interests, but they serve the Lord. When our police serve the Lord, when the people running the school serve the Lord, then all of a sudden, the blessing of the Lord begins to return back to his land. It'll happen. Don't think just because they shut down a little college revival in Kentucky, the revival's over. They were just giving us a taste. And I, I think that I think that the Lord wants to do, He doesn't want to do a 10-day revival or a 12-day revival or a three-week revival. He wants to start a place of revival, a lifestyle of revival that will keep going until he comes back. That's what he wants to do. A, a, a sustained move of God that starts and never stops because the manifest sons and daughters of God has risen up and taken their place and taken their responsibility and know their authority and know who they are in Christ. And it'll bring a change to this world. Could we just raise our hands to heaven really quick? Lord, I pray for each and every person here. Lord, I just pray. I pray for just a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. I just pray for the river to flow right now. And every person in here, I just pray for the river to flow in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just fill up your people. Lord, I pray you would just fill up your people in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would just experience a fresh fire, a fresh anointing. Lord, I pray for their struggles, whatever they're dealing with tonight. Lord, I thank you that walls and limitations are coming down in the name of Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, I thank you that there is no mountain too big. Lord, I thank you there's nothing that's impossible for you. Lord, I just pray. I just pray right now for mountains to move in Jesus' name. I pray for walls to come down. Lord, I pray for prodigal sons and daughters to come back home. Lord, I thank you that your mercies are fresh every day. Your mercies are fresh every day. Lord, I thank you for household salvations. Household salvations. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Okay, you guys that are going to pray for people, if you want to make your way up, Steve and Darlene, if you want to make your way up, if you're here tonight you want prayer, you can make your way forward. that tightness in your chest I think that means you need to come forward right now I think that means you need to yield yourself to the Spirit of God and see what he wants to do right now that means that you're about to get set free if you make those steps the Lord honors every step we know this is a sanctuary it's your sanctuary it's your holy of holies it's where your ark is at it's where your covenant rests it's where your river flows. It's where foundations are built, Lord. We say yes to you, Lord. On Christ this solid rock I stand. All other ground is seeking sand. All other ground is seeking sand. On Christ this solid. On Christ this
right now, Lord. Lord, we want more of you, and all we want is you, Father. Father, so I ask that you allow us to just start putting you more in our lives, Lord. Start putting you first. Start walking with you first. Father, I thank you for the blessings that you're going to give us. Father, I thank you for the things that you are already doing. And just continue to be in that God that you are and open those doors, Lord. And as we leave this building tonight, Father, I ask you to allow us just to continue to seek you through our trials and tribulation, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, Father. I thank you, Lord.
Shot. I almost did. That's what I was. Uh, uh, I, I almost did. I almost did. I swear. I swear I did. I swear I did. <laughs> I almost did. I,